This morning, we'll read together from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. This is the scripture reading and also the text for the message this morning. You can see from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, stating who it comes from, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, and then it's to the church of the Thessalonians with a blessing from these men. And then in chapter 2, uh, verse 1, for you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses and God also. How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the form for the ordination of elders and deacons that we will read this morning explains how God instituted different special offices with the task of helping every believer in their general office. Elders were in the Old Testament working beside Moses, beside the judges, beside the kings in the task of serving and shepherding God's people. Jesus, the good shepherd, called apostles to be the foundation of the Catholic Church. And these men, in turn, appointed elders and deacons in every church. As a result, although there are many, there are some very important distinctions to be made between the apostles 
and the elders and deacons of today, the work that Jesus gave the apostles to do in each of the local churches, and the work that the apostles gave to the elders and deacons, it's very similar. The apostles and ministers, elders and deacons were, were doing similar work in God's kingdom. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, when Paul defends his Christian character and his ability to serve as an apostle, his description remains helpful for teaching us about office bearers today. Our passage today highlights the qualities of God's approved leaders. And it stands in close parallel to the passages that specifically list the qualifications of elders and deacons in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. And this morning I preach to you the gospel under the following theme, God's approved leaders are entrusted to bring the gospel to his church. We'll see that they do this with a submissive boldness, with motherly affection, and with fatherly encouragement. The apostle refers to the appointment to office as being approved, this verse 4, being approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Before this, Paul had made it clear that the Thessalonians, they knew that the apostles had been approved by God. And if you look through this, this passage, you see how many times Paul says, you yourselves know, for you know, you remember, you saw. They knew that the apostles had been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, especially as we see in verse 1, because it was not in vain. In vain means it wasn't for nothing. And if you look to the two verses before chapter 2, so the very end of chapter 1, you could see the result of the preaching of the apostles. And there we read that the people, the church there, had reported that they had turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. The goal of the work of the office bearers is to bring people to that life. And that proves the preaching, the teaching was not in vain. And the gospel of God entrusted to the apostles, to the office bearers in the church is powerful. That's why Paul says at the beginning of 1 Timothy 3 that whoever desires this office desires a noble task. It is a great privilege to serve God Almighty in the public reading of Scripture, in exhortation and teaching of His Word, as Paul directs us to do in 1 Timothy 4, verse 13. It's a task that is reserved for those who have been approved by God Himself, the, the commanding officers. And so Paul explains in verse 3 that, that the work is not being done because the motives are not error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but were motivated by the certain conviction that God himself, through his congregation, has called us to these offices. And that's the first question that we answer in the form, in, in, in the moment of ordination. And it's this approval and this assignment from God himself that we as office bearers recognize 
that allows leaders in the church to be bold in their work of proclaiming the gospel, of bringing the gospel to God's people, even in the midst of persecution and criticism and disbelief and ungratefulness. Paul reminds the church how the first gospel preachers in Philippi, they, they suffered and were shamefully treated in the midst of much conflict, and yet, he announces, yet they had boldness in our God to continue declaring the gospel. Leaders approved by God find their boldness in their commanding officer, in, in their God. And office bearers in the church who submit their lives to the gospel of God can be confident because they are ambassadors of the Most High God. God gives the authority to the office and that gives the office bearers a boldness. In fact, you could say the secret to boldness in the ministry is submission to God's Word. The secret to boldness is submission to God's Word and faithfulness to Jesus Christ. Because when you want the same thing that God wants for His people, then you can stand firm even in times of persecution and shameful treatment. For at the end of the day, you are not being ordained to please men, but to please God who tests your hearts. And Paul highlights the difference between pleasing God and pleasing uh, people. And he does so by warning against flattery in verse 5 and pretext for greed in verse 5 and seeking glory from people in verse 6. Scriptures give many warnings against people who use flattery to manipulate the pride of others so that they can take advantage of them. So when he says, I didn't come with words of flattery, he's saying, I, I didn't come for myself. I wasn't trying to, to get something for myself. It's the same as the pretext for greed, coming with a pretext of, for greed. That shows actually a, a complete disinterest in, in the gospel and in the church. And it shows a selfish lack of concern for members of Christ's church. And that's why also in the qualifications for office bearers in 1 Timothy 3, there are so many repeated warnings. Office bearers should not be lovers of money. They should not be greedy. They shall not be self-focused. And then also we read of seeking the glory from people. The apostles had a prestige. They were appointed by the Lord who gave his life uh, for the church. They, they knew him. They could justify their demand for glory from people. But God does not entrust the gospel to leaders who are out seeking glory from people. Or you, like you read in 1 Timothy 3, those who are puffed up with conceit. The message is very clear, dear elders and deacons. This ordination is not so much about you, it's about God's work in His church through you as His instruments. Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd and overseer of the souls of God's people. You read that right in 1 Peter 2, verse 25. 
And office bearers are called to be submissive under shepherds whose boldness comes through their faithfulness to Jesus Christ. Our ordination to office today does not give an opportunity to push a personal agenda or to direct a church in a particular direction or not even a right to demand praise from people. The boldness that God gives is is not a proud or an abrasive boldness, but it is the boldness of a mama bear. And it's focused on the flock under your care that Jesus Christ bought with his own blood. And we see that the second point as we continue reading as well. We see that since the Lord appointed the apostles and he continues to appoint office bearers in the local churches, it could lead such men to demand respect and glory. The thought sometimes is if I, if I want to be followed, if I want to be heard, I need to be respected as, a, as an important person in this, this, this member's life. And there's a tendency to try to demand respect and glory. The apostle, however, urges leaders in Christ's church rather to earn such respect instead of demanding it. And to do this by becoming gentle among the people of God, as the apostles did. That's in verse 7. Now the, the, the word forms in the original language in verse 7 uh, are very similar. The, the words gentle and the word, the word infants. It's just out by a little, a little mark. And so there's different manuscripts, whether it's gentle or, or infants. And you can even see that in the, in the footnote that there's a, some question. But whatever the word is in the original, it's the opposite It means the opposite of being demanding in relationships. The word word gentle points to being self-deprecating and meek rather than, as we read in 1 Timothy 3, verse 3, rather than violent. Or seeing oneself as an infant means recognizing the surpassing importance and the value of others around you, also for your own well-being. And both these words, and whatever the word exactly may be, teach that God's servants must be Christ-like and willing to empty themselves of glory in order to serve and to love others. Being gentle, being as infants in God's people, we see the picture that's given. It's an application of the incarnation, the principle of the incarnation itself. And it leads the Holy Spirit to the comparison between office bearers and mothers. When you think of of giving yourself up, the mind goes to the mothers. After teaching us that leaders approved by God should be gentle and not demanding, the apostle moves on to the next comparison. Being affectionately desirous of the church, the apostles were like a nurse taking care of her own children. A nurse taking care of her own children. Paul was was picturing the most motherly mother he could think of. And then he used this 
as an example how, of how office bearers in the church should relate to members of the congregation. It says, brothers, office bearers, you, you must be like a woman who dedicated her life to caring for others, a nurse, caring for her own children. Like, like Moses' mother, who was appointed by the princess of Egypt to be a nurse to her own child. Do, do you see what kind of affectionate desire God wants you to have for the members of of the Emmanuel congregation. Even though the members are not your own children, or not just your own children, not their mothers, God has appointed you to be as a mother to the members of this congregation, to bring the gospel with motherly affection. And just like a mother gives only the very best to her children, so also office bearers in the church will be ready to share the gospel with diligence. You see that in verse 8. The apostle focuses on the gospel first. He's, he's, he's thinking not of homes, he's thinking of the church. He's thinking of the office bearers and the appointment they receive, the approval of God entrusted with the gospel. And, and he says this gospel, this this reason for your existence as ministers and elders and deacons. That's what you, you bring to God's people. And as you carry out this work in the congregation, you share in the same faith. You're willing to make the same sacrifices together with brothers and sisters. And you desire to love God and, and love neighbors. Strong bonds grow between leaders and members in their care. If you were to ask some of the departing office bearers and, and be sure to, to thank them also for their work, they will tell you how difficult it, it is to come to the end of the term. The, the bond has been formed. The congregation is so dear. And new office bearers will find this, that this congregation, Emmanuel, will become very dear to you if it isn't already, as you pray for every member, as you open your homes in hospitality, as you see in 1 Timothy 3, verse 2, you live alongside individuals and families in suffering and hardship. What a blessing it is that God has the gospel brought to us through office bearers with such dear and loving and motherly affection. Paul further describes the character of this motherly affection when he explains how the apostles worked night and day in labor and toil that they might not be a burden to any member of the church. Now in the mission setting, where financial support from those receiving the word was not immediately available, the apostles did not hold their, the, the believers uh, to their obligation to give them wages. But they worked day and night in a trade to support themselves. And elders and deacons in our churches do the same so that the church donations can be focused on supporting just a few full-time uh, full pastors. And it is a privilege for office bearers to donate so much of their time and their money and their energy and their love to the congregation without expecting to get anything in return, 
It is that motherly affection of not wanting to be a burden to the congregation. It assures us as God's people that they have pure motives. They truly want the gospel to be the center of our attention. So when an elder or a deacon visits you, remember that they gain nothing personally. As they are ready not only to share the gospel of God with us, but, but their very own selves. Reminds us of the sacrifices that our mothers made for us. That we as children note in our Mother's Day cards, the things that we, we would mention. You, you were never a burden to me. You did everything you could not to be a burden to me. It reminds me of my own uh, mother in, in, in back in the day when long distance cost a lot of money and we would make the, the phone call and, and she would always try to keep it short. She didn't want to cost me too much money. And that, that mentality of not being a burden to, to have that focus on, on the child. It's what the Lord calls office bearers to see how, how to see the congregation. And as a congregation then we understand this this call of God that the office bearers don't want to be a burden, but that also means that, that their daily work can limit the time that they have available. And it's good then as a congregation to reach out to them with the updates in your lives and inform them of any changes that are happening. Hebrews 13 verse 7 says, that's verse 17, says that we should submit to our leaders so that they can watch over our souls with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And this is very important to understand. There's the, the motherly affection, but God has also entrusted these men with the gospel so that they might give fatherly encouragement. We'll see that finally. For the apostles made it very clear that leaders approved by God are intimately involved in the lives of the members of God's children in their care. Church government and pastoral care is not compared to the, the district, distant authorities calling down orders from an ivory tower, but it's compared to the care of, of families, of parents who are living among their children. And this is something that is already very clear in the Old Testament, elders were chosen from among the people and often were leaders of their families already. And the qualifications for the elders in 1 Timothy 3, there's that close connection between managing your own family well and caring for the church of God. Because it's the same mentality, it's the same context of working. And although our spiritual families are, are much larger and much more diverse than the families in our homes. God approves those who serve as fathers to all. Fathers to all. And Paul appeals to the church at Thessalonica because they knew what he meant when he said that he was like a father with the children, with his children in their midst. And the first way that leaders approved by God to be entrusted to bring the gospel to the church are like fathers is in the way that they give a good example. 
How many times did Paul say to the churches, imitate my own example? Office bearers in the church will strive to be able to say the same thing to, to the Emmanuel congregation. And the Holy Spirit uses several adverbs to describe how the leaders behaved toward the believers in the church. And you see that in verse 10. You are witnesses and God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you. Ministers and elders and deacons also today in the church are to be holy in their lifestyles, keeping in step with the Spirit, separating themselves from worldly passions and dedicated to God in a life of obedience to His commandments in love. They do this as examples, not as examples the only ones doing it, but as examples as they lead the congregation in the same things. And the qualifications listed in 1 Timothy 3, they emphasize this fact. It's really the, the main emphasis of all those qualifications. To be above reproach. To be the husband of one wife and that wife being dignified, not slanderer, sober-minded, faithful in all things. The office bearer to be sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, that means able to be respected, not a drunkard, not addicted to much wine, and well thought of by outsiders. And Titus adds, hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Quite a list. And as we consider it, we understand that that also includes that turning to God for the forgiveness of our sins when we face the struggle and the weakness of living that holy and blameless and righteous life. That includes confessing our sins before God and repenting and receiving forgiveness from God. That also is an example, a fatherly example to a congregation. The humility of praising Jesus Christ as Savior. And as we share lives as, as very examples Office bearers can be an example to the flock, just like a father is called to be an example to his children. And dear congregation, then when you see the, the holy and the humble example of office bearers in the church, you can know that you can receive their instruction as the word of God and not just as the word or opinions of men. And just as a father's example for his children ought to be accompanied with, with ongoing instruction and, and guidance, so office bearers are entrusted to, and then you see this in verse 12, to exhort, encourage, and charge the members of the congregation to walk in a manner worthy of God. And all that, the words then, they're, they're coming from a context of, of motherly affection, and fatherly example. And then finally, the words come out. And the words that, that Paul uses make us think of a father leading not just little children, but as more independent children who, who are able to walk and who are able to make decisions for themselves. It's the father who is, who is coaching his children through that difficult and dangerous valley because he wants them to, to see the beautiful destination on the other side. 
The picture describes a lot of the work that office bearers do as they, as they help us to remain in Christ, as we walk through the dangerous temptations and distractions in this life as subjects of God's kingdom and our way to glory. The picture is very complete because everyone who sees and hears the words coming from that fatherly encouragement, they know that this is someone who loves them very much, who cares, wants the best for them. First Timothy and Titus explain how important it is then that office bearers are able to teach in sound doctrine, being capable also of rebuking those who contradict it. Titus says deacons must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Just as, as fathers must Office bearers also must understand that they cannot just, just walk ahead and give a good example. They can't just, just go and say, okay, I hope everybody follows me. But they're also called to turn and, and to move along those who are stumbling and those who are afraid and those who are, are slow and to instruct the congregation that they are responsible for, responsible to care for. And that's where those words fit in, exhorting that includes a warning about the dangers. It includes that call to repentance, to, to trust in God, in obedience, in the, in the path of life. We thank God that He has given us fathers and also in our new office bearers, fathers in the, in the faith of many different ages and many different levels of experience and many different experiences themselves because it is in, in joining that all that we know that our fathers will bring us through that valley to the destination. The young fathers who, who recognize the present dangers and the mindset of, of the world around us. More experienced fathers who have seen a lot, who, who understand the strength of sin and the weakness of human nature. Those are the fathers who are encouraging us to go forward. And the other Word, the first word is exhorting, the second word is encouraging, encouraging those who are struggling, those lagging behind in their faith, those lagging behind in their spiritual development, those who become discouraged, who need to be comforted in the midst of difficult hardships. I think maybe also as office bearer training, it, it requires going on, on a hike through a, a difficult mountain pass with, with people of all different abilities, and understanding what it means to, to encourage those who are discouraged, to, to promise that lake ahead is, is a beautiful lake. And that leads us to the words to charging, or the word could be imploring God's people to walk in a manner worthy of God. And that's done as, as office bearers continually remind the church that their conduct now is, one of the, is of the greatest importance in this life and for the life to come. The Father who knows the destination is close, who knows that the, the glory of heaven far outweighs anything that has been seen so far, will implore His children not to lose heart, but to persevere, to trust in God's promises. And so we end with that beautiful picture. Men trusted with the gospel, 
filled with motherly affection, called to, to give an example as, as holy leaders. And through that, God is caring for his church. The triune God has not left us alone. God is with us. He guides us through the leaders whom he approved to be entrusted with the gospel. And dear office bearers, submit to God's word and be bold in bringing the gospel of salvation to the church. Be motherly in your affection. Be fatherly in your example and guidance. And lead this flock in the gospel so that we all walk worthy of God along the path that leads to his kingdom and his glory. Then the congregation will know that you are coming with the truth of God's word. And your visits and your work will not be in vain. Amen.